Welcome to season four of the Jobs Glow podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Haas, and this is the podcast for dreamers with and without day jobs. This week's show is called Get a Piece of the Pie with actor and pie maker, Andy Hoff. Welcome to the show, Andy. Hey, thanks. I'm so glad you're finally gracing me with your presence since I've been asking you to do this for a while now. And I also wanted to call you actor Andy Hoff from the Oscar-nominated film King Richard, because that sounds cool. Right? It, it does. It sounds pretty cool to me, you know, and like, I don't know what anybody else in the movie was doing, but I pretty much, you know, whatever success that movie has is definitely because of me. Oh, well, you know, I mean, guy were- way off in the background that was blurry. <laughs> but you were in the trailer, which yeah, is I know, so, I know. so amazing because I, we watched the movie and I was like, Brian, Andy's in the movie <laughs> and he's in the trailer. So we have to watch for him. And yes, it was a short, it, it was short, but still, yeah. hey. It was, it. it was it was really cool. There's kind of a, a cool thing that went behind it, too. So the casting office that uh, that did that, they're really good to me and they bring me in for a lot of different stuff. And from time to time, they'll call me up to do, uh, you know, table reads of of this and that, you know. So so I got a call to to do a to do one of these table reads. So it was the script that was in, you know, early development. And, and so I was there with a limited group of people. I don't remember how many, maybe 10 or something. So I was covering seven, eight, nine different roles or something like that. But I knew it was a, you know, it was an opportunity, you know, so I went in there and I was ready to go. And I was, you know, trying to be basically performance ready on eight different roles that I wasn't right for, you know, but just so, you know, they could see who I was and, and whatever. And, and they did. And I wound up being Will Smith's rehearsal partner for, you know, two or three weeks during, you know, several different uh, iterations of the script and stuff. And so it was a really, really cool experience. And, and uh, you know, they wound up casting me in the movie over it. So it was, it was a good deal. So then beyond just getting paid for that role, you, mm. you were paid to like come in and be his acting partner too? Yeah. I mean, not, uh, n- not a lot, but uh, yeah. And, and the way that it would work is basically like, he had like a really cool process. So we would sit there and it would be me and him and the director, his, uh, his acting guy, the writer was there. Occasionally there would be uh, the producers there and then whatever actor he was working with that day. And then me. So I would be, you know, whoever, whoever wasn't the other actor. And so we would start off basically, you know, working on the script and, and, uh, you know, he would get an idea and he would mention it and the producers write, write it down and the writer was making notes. And, you know, eventually he would just start improving on a scene and he would go off and do like a five, 10, 15 minute improv. And while he was doing it, be like, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. And the writer would be making notes and like, that's how they would develop the script. It's like through his improvs. And it was just so cool to watch. And, and um, you know, on top of that, he's a totally normal guy. He's got like nothing to prove. You know, he was so, so cool and gracious and down to earth, you know, so it was just an awesome experience. So did you swap social handles and phone numbers? And- no, Steph was like, so uh, are we getting an invite to dinner? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I didn't think to ask, but uh, no, it wasn't, wasn't really like that, but oh. Oh, know, well, it was cool. it's a, that's an amazing experience. So, yeah. but more about you, but honestly, ironically, the quote, I always try to pull a quote, um, for the mm-hmm. show based on whom, whoever I'm talking to. And I pulled this one. 
being realistic is the quickest path to mediocrity. And that is Will Smith who said that. Well, and- I love that, you know, <laughs> and it's definitely the story of my life, you know, because, uh, you know, had I been a wise man, I probably would have made some different career choices, but it wasn't in the cards for me, you know, so. Right. Well, and that's why I picked it because I feel like someone with your career path, which we're going to dive into, this is the perfect quote for that. And then his second quote that I pulled is, there's no reason to have a plan B because it distracts from plan A. Now, I also pulled that because you recently came up, well, I mean, you've kind of always had a plan B, right? Which is bartending, right? You've always had kind of the, the thing that helps sustain your pursuit of acting. Yeah. You know, I like, I like food too much, you know, to, to suffer in that way, you know? So yeah, the starving artist thing is, is not for me, you know, like I need a job and especially now, cause I've got some things coming up, you know, so I, I can't just be floating in the breeze. You know, I, I do believe in, I don't, I don't think it's a plan B because it's never the intention for that to be, you know, my life's mission, right. but you know, having gainful employment is pretty important. Okay. So before we jump into this and you take us from where Andy grew up to where he is now, I I just want to list off. I went on your IMDb and uh, some of the things that you've appeared in. So as I mentioned, Oscar nominated King Richard, Mm -hmm. Birds of Prey, American Crime Story, Mad Men, How I Met Your Mother, Beautifully Flawed, Hitman 3, which is a video game, Criminal Minds, NCIS, Lucifer, and Killer Party was what I found on IMDb. So that's yeah. the thing to sneeze at. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, fortunately, I'm a working actor, you know, and and of course, it's never as much as you want it to be and, and all of that stuff, you know, but I have been fortunate to be able to eke out a, a small career in the business, you know, so yeah. Okay, so tell me, where did you grow up, Andy? Well, I was a military kid, so we moved around uh, a good bit, but for the most part, uh, in Northern Virginia, in the DC area, that's kind of where my dad's career landed. He was a Pentagon guy, you know, so like in the latter part of his Navy career. So we wound up there. And, and uh, so, yeah. Okay. Northern Virginia. And so then did you go to school and is that where you discovered that you wanted to be an actor or did you always growing yeah, up? Yeah. I mean, I started, even though my dad was in the military, I was raised in a musical household. So everybody played instruments. You know, my father in college, he was a conducting major. That was his life's path until he got he got drafted basically in, in Vietnam. My mother was a music ed and vocal performance major. My, my brother plays the trumpet and the bass guitar, and I played the piano and I sang and I did all of that stuff. And so I did my first piano recital when I was five years old or something like that. And once you get that juice of being on stage... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't, uh, I mean, that, that was it. Like, I was like, Oh, that's, that's really something. And so I started doing plays by the time I was in the, uh, the first grade, you know, and, and it just kind of grew from there. And did you go to college for theater? I did. Yeah. I went to the Boston conservatory and, and, uh, studied acting. So, yeah. And what about musical theater since you have the, the music? I, I did that for, you know, I, the Boston conservatory is a musical theater program, you know, okay. I, I call it, acting because that's, you know, where my career path took me. It's tough for a guy like me, especially at that age. When I was 18, I looked like I was about 12 and I have a bass voice and there's no such thing as a bass role in musical theater for a guy who's 12. So maybe when I'm 60, there'll be something in that arena, but, uh, you know, 
it just wasn't it wasn't the right match for me. You know, I, I, I love music and I love theater, but being a musical theater guy wasn't really the path for me. So Okay. So when you graduated, is that when you came to New York? Yeah, yeah, right away, basically. I graduated and then uh two months later I was in New York City. Okay, so I met you. Yeah. While you were in New York bartending yep. at the West Side Tavern. And I I would say it was probably around 99 or 2000. Yeah, we I- opened in August of 98, the West Side Tavern. Okay. So sometime shortly thereafter I would imagine because you were, you know, friends with the company or whatever and and uh so it's entirely possible that we were introduced up at Snapper Creek before Westside opened at some point. I don't know. Oh, but, okay. Uh, well, look, I was a barfly at that bar, but not, <laughs> until, uh, not until around 99. Uh-huh. Oh, I, okay. I, I All think right. I went in there around 99. And it's funny though, because I had gone in there when it was the pirate bar before uh-huh. it was Snapper. And when I went in with a friend to Snapper, because she actually knew Kevin and Dave or Dave and Colin. Uh-huh. I was like, this bar is super familiar to me. I think this was the pirate bar. Right, so yeah. yeah. And then that's where I became, I don't know, the super bar fly. Well, you know, in New York, that's part of the culture, you know, like everybody has a, a local, that's not anything negative about your character. It's just a part of the fabric of New York life, you know, which is something that I really love. Everybody has a community hangout and, and uh, it's part of the deal. I, I really love it. I miss it. I miss that aspect of, of, uh, well, and it's even nicer when they have a network of bars because when you're sick yeah. of one on the Upper East Side, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's side, right, downtown. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But I mean, and even still, like Snapper Creek, how many couples got married out of that bar? I like right. enough. So, I mean, yeah. I'm one of them. It's weird. It's crazy. Yeah. But we're here to talk about you, anyway. <laughs> so you moved to New York. You started bartending and pursuing acting at that. Yeah, time. yeah, that's right. Well, it took it took a little bit of time because I got to New York and. um I started working with our friend Colm pretty much immediately, you know, as much as we all love Colm, that guy can, you know, you can take some turns, some wrong turns with that fellow. <laughs> you know, it's just every day is a party, you know? So I did a lot of partying for, for the first year and a half or so uh, before I started, started getting serious. And so, yeah, I, I, I started working with Colm at a place called Jack Dempsey's in the East village. And then we opened West side and shortly thereafter is when I started the group of friends uh, uh, to found a, a theater company. So that took up the next seven or eight years, something like that, before I moved to L.A. I was working on the theater company. Okay. So in New York, did you do much commercial work or were you just mainly focused on this? No, I, you know, my entire time in New York, I did not have an agent. I got a commercial agent, you know, maybe maybe two years before I moved to Los Angeles, but it wasn't really fruitful. I mean, really all of my efforts were around the theater company, you know, which was, if I wasn't working in the bar, I was working in the theater on 43rd street. So it was, it was a busy, busy life. Okay. So what year did you move to LA then? Seven? See, I graduated in 90, 96. I moved there. No, to LA. Oh, to LA, uh, the end of 2005. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you've been there. What? So I've been here for a long time now. Yeah. I've been here longer than I've lived in any other place in my life. Wow. Which is crazy because here's a secret. I don't like Los Angeles and I never have. Really? Yeah. Is it it the people more than anything? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's very different out here culturally, you know, like in New York, it's such a lie that people in New York aren't friendly, you know, in New York, everybody talks to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, you know, you strike up a conversation with anybody here in Los Angeles, 
you turn and talk to a stranger and half the time they'll look at you like you're crazy. You know, why would you, why would you be talking to me right now? Yeah. Um, so there is, you know, it is that, you know, and it's very insular here. It's like you're in your place of work or you're in your car or you're in your home. There is no real bar culture here. So it's, it's very different. It's not that the people, it's not that I dislike the people. It's just the culture is very different. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny because I feel like you're either a New Yorker or, or you like Los Angeles, like yeah. you're one or the other. It's rare that you find someone that likes right. both. Right. And I'm definitely a New Yorker. I went yeah, out well, there after 9-11 and li- lived with my brother for a month. And I, yeah. first of all, I don't want to drive. I have no interest in having to drive. I didn't yeah. do a very good job at it when I did drive. <laughs> yeah. but it's better for everybody that I don't drive. So yeah. I just, I, and I also, I like living in an apartment. I like being around people. Yeah. Did I plan to ride the subway for over 25 years? Not really. Right. But, you know, Especially in those right streets, now, I was crazy only... stuff happening on your subways right now. Yeah. Yeah. But given that I freelance from home, I don't have to do that very often. Yeah. Yeah. But again, back to you. So you moved to LA and you picked up bartending there, right? To help kind of sustain the. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was the skill. You know, I, I gave myself two skill sets in life. You know, I can, I can act, you know, kind of. And I'm a bartender, you know, and, uh, you know, at this point, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I was in the bar business for 25 years, you know, so, I mean, that's, you can't be more professional than that. So anyway, I got to LA and, and yeah, that was the first order of business is get a job because, you know, I'm not a trust fund kid, you know, I've always had a job. I got to pay for stuff, you know, and, and uh, LA is just as expensive as New York. You know, I don't care what anybody says, because out here you have to have a car, you have to have your car insurance. You know, housing is nearly as expensive as New York, you know, so it's, you know. Yeah, you just get more space, but yes, you do pay. You, yes, you pay, you pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. So how long did it take you to get your first gig once you got to LA? And what My was first it? bartending gig? No, no, no. Your first acting, sorry. It was six months, oh, um, wow. which was pretty good. You know, yeah. like I felt when I came out here from New York, you know, I felt, you know, ready to go. And I had that New York thing going on, you know, where I've just got this you know, this city energy and I have a lot of uh, confidence in myself and my abilities. And, you know, I think people read that when you're new to town because it's something different. It's a different flavor from what's going on here. And unfortunately it doesn't last for your entire life, which is why I try to get back to New York, you know, as much as I can to get my mojo back, you know, but, but, you know, I, I, I came out here and, and within six months, I, I booked a really great role with James Kahn, you know, I mean, it was, it was a, uh, it was a really good role. And I, I was like, man, this is going to be easy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which yeah. is That's hilarious now yeah. you know to oh. think about it but but was it on a tv show or was it like yeah it was las vegas the show las okay. vegas on nbc and and you know it was a really good role and and people that i knew in los angeles you know were like oh my god i can't believe that happened so quickly and and yeah so like i said i thought it was going to be a snap and and nope was it one episode or did you have like yeah it was just one episode oh, okay. you know, it was a good okay. uh, it was a good part you know. but you also were on mad men yeah, I did Mad Men uh, too. And as a matter of fact, the the person who booked me on Mad Men, the most important relationships that you have out here, at least in my experience, are are those that you make with casting directors because you know they're the people that get behind you and call you in for the auditions, and and you know they're who you have to know. And the person who cast me on that, Carrie Audino, uh, was a friend from New York um, who had moved out to Los Angeles to to do casting out here. So New York oh, connections paying off again. Yeah, no. So now you've done 
a lot of TV mm-hmm. and and film wise outside of have you done anything besides King Richard film wise? And I know you produce. Yeah, I did, you know they're all small roles in film. You know, uh, I I did a small role in A Perfect Getaway, which was directed by David Tui and had uh, uh, Timothy Oliphant in it and uh, Steve Zahn. I did a movie not too long ago that somehow it, it got held up with uh, with the company that owns it, but it debuted at Tribeca, which was really awesome. And it was also a, a pretty good part. I was, I was pretty psyched. It was called Dead Women Walking about women on death row, Birds of Prey that you already mentioned. And then I produced the movie because in New York, I was producing theater. So I kind of assumed that that skill set would translate to film. And it does, you know, it's a different animal, but you know, it's, it's the same skill set, basically. So anyway, I produced a produced a movie that I was in, a horror comedy called Killer Party. But mostly what I've done out here has been uh, television work, which, you know, I'm totally fine with. I mean, I'm grateful for all the work that I can get. And, and uh, you know, it's the golden age of television right now. So I'm happy to be getting getting the work. So. And, and your partner, your life partner is also a producer, right? Yes, yeah, she was. Uh, she and I produced that movie together with, uh, you know, with some other other people that we know, friends and artists. And yeah, you interviewed her. Uh, right. She produced Abducted in Plain Sight and uh, has right now, you know, half a dozen projects that she's working on. You know, she's she's very busy and very driven and awesome. Yeah, that Abducted in Plain Sight was insane. It's so in- crazy. Yeah, insane. <laughs> I mean, the parenting in that yeah. documentary like yeah. blows my mind. And you, you only—I mean, they had to tell a cohesive story in an hour and a half. I mean, there was so much beyond what they were able to put on screen. You know, I would come home from work, and Steph would be in you know, a box of FBI files. And I would walk in the door and she would just start reading me the most fucked up things you can possibly imagine. And eventually I was like, you have to stop mm-hmm. because I can't, like, I guess when you're dealing with it the way that she was, you become immune to it, but I could not process it in that way. And it would just, it would wind me up and it would make me angry. And, you know, I mean, it was, yeah, well, was, you have no, Andy, you don't know until the baby comes, my friend, because yeah. I was a big fan of like Law and Order and all those kinds right. of shows. And once I had a kid, I was like, I cannot watch these shows anymore. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, I it know. It gets even harder. It gets it's even already harder. started, which is so funny, you know, but uh, yeah. yeah. Started okay, so I alluded to the pie business. So yeah. let's talk about that. And yeah, how sure. I started doing um, these delicious looking pies that I'm going to have when I come to L.A. Yeah, well, I'm happy to bake you a pie anytime. Uh, so baking was something that I did as a hobby for a long time, many years. You know, it, it takes a long time baking. You know, it's labor intensive. And and so it's sort of a, a zen-like escape, you know, and I love to eat and I'm a sugar addict. So, you know, all things line up. It's all great. And then the world locked down a couple of years ago, and I am not capable of sitting around doing nothing. I can't. I am not made for retirement or confinement or whatever. My motor runs hot. So I just decided that I would bake around a pies, you know, and put them up on Instagram and see if people were interested, you know, and I put them up at, at a price that was not, you know, I wasn't going to make any money off of it. It was just like, you know, can I, can I give myself something to do here? And they sold out immediately. And so I made some more and it basically just took off from there. And that was great. And then, you know, everything opened back up for a time. And I went back to work for 
seven or eight months. And, and I was like, wow, this really, this sucks. I think I'm done working in a restaurant and, and, you know, my knee was giving out and my elbow was giving out, which is hilarious. It just means I'm old because I can't bartend <laughs> anymore. It's too physical for me. And I was like, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to try to bake full time, you know, bake and whatever acting jobs I can get and, and just kind of piece it together. And that's what I've been doing now since uh, September, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. So seven, seven months now. And it's been working. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So let's so are you an established business? Did you So no. I mean, no. <laughs> no. I mean, like <laughs> just, you have a, I mean by by that I mean you have a name. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the name is Pie Club LA. Okay. You know, I could probably come up with a, a better name, but I just needed something that was that was quick and easy. You know, I'm a home business, I'm a home baker, you know, and I've put a lot of thought into am I going to open an establishment and I've researched commercial kitchens and, you know, all of the things and it may happen, but it would be a mistake for me to start doing that before I had enough organic growth to actually take that path. Right. Because you got to sell a lot of pies to pay for a commercial kitchen. It's very expensive. Yes. So how Um, many, like how many pies do you think you, you do in a week? So it depends on the week, you know, um, I have done as many as 60 pies in a week, which is a ah. lot. It takes a lot of time to make a pie. You know, there's a lot yeah. of, it's, it's heavily labor intensive. And then some weeks I go, you know, I'm going to take it easy and I do 15. So yeah, like Thanksgiving on for Thanksgiving, the day before Thanksgiving, I delivered 43 pies in one day, which is insane. I mean, it's, Without wow. a staff. I mean, it's just me. Yeah. You know? So I, I wouldn't try to do that again without hiring, <laughs> hiring people. Were you, you know? up all night in pie? Pretty, pretty much. I mean, it was basically like three days of prep. And then the day before delivery is build and bake like as fast as you can, because I'm, you know, I'm not in a commercial space, so I can bake four pies an hour. Okay. So. Okay, so I think I need to know something here. Um, when did you bake your first pie? Don't tell me you YouTube this during lockdown and just started. No, 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 no. Like I said, it's something that I've done for years. I, I'm not sure when I did my first one. You know, I I, I would have been a kid. Okay. Because um, I liked it as a kid. And then after I got to LA, you know, and my social life was less than it was in New York, uh, you know, that's probably when I started doing it more frequently because I had the time to do it. And, and uh, you're like just like, said, I'm I a like, single I guy. I like the escape and, you know, so. I'm a single guy in LA making pies. When yeah. <laughs> yes. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Weird. It, it is, it is, baking is therapeutic and it's funny it is. because you, I over the years have known a ton of people to leave their day jobs to go into some sort of baking. There was literally a, a cupcake annex of the yeah. early 2000s where people were just like, or exodus of people just like leaving PR jobs and yeah. jobs in media to open a bakery or to start baking. So, yeah. yeah, you know, there is, there is something about it. And, you know, I always do the deliveries of pies myself because everybody loves to see a guy with pie you know, I mean, there's there's a social aspect to it and something about making people happy in that way. I mean, I really I really enjoy. I mean, it's a huge payoff when people are pleased with something that you've labored over in that way. So I really like it. Well, and I think, too, when you come from a business that feels so out of control, 
Mm-hmm. Where baking, I, I think, gives you that feeling of being in control, right? Yeah, it's that, true. Yeah, it that you true. have control over. And when it's a finished product, it's like yours. And yeah, I really think, I mean, I've said for years, PR is too gray. The area is too gray. I need a job that is more black and white because yeah. everybody has an opinion. And I just yeah. like, I'm like, I should. Well, I mean, it, it relates to the arts in that way, doesn't it? I mean, it's, yeah. it's subjective and, and, uh, yeah. yeah, I need I need a, a job in math numbers. Numbers don't lie. Yeah, it's so funny. That's what I keep saying about this child is like anything but the arts, anything in STEM, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, no, but, you know, it's hard when you are a person who is emotional and creative. I mean, yeah. it's very hard to sit at a desk. It's very hard to do the nine to five, it, you know, all those yeah. things. Agreed. So, I mean, Agreed. when we were at, I was telling you, we were at the snow concert last week mm-hmm. and I, he was up there the lead singer was up there singing and I turned to my friend and I was like what must it feel like to be up there with this audience and he steps away from the microphone and everyone sings the lyrics I mean yeah there is I can't imagine any job more amazing it than has that. to be the pinnacle of performance arts to be a rock star you know as far as as far as the live performance feeling goes, that's got to be the pinnacle. That's got to be the top. Yeah. I mean, when you were saying that about being on stage and how mm-hmm. that felt, I mean, I did stand up for a little while mm-hmm. and I would be so mortified before I got up there. Well, yeah. And the rush coming off of that stage was like nothing I had ever experienced in my life. Now, granted, yeah. I just didn't have the stones to do stand up because it right. is, it's a tough life. I and- think stand up is the ballsiest gig in show business, you know, I mean, because hey, live or die up there. I mean, you got to bring the goods, you know, or they're going to let you know about it. I don't know. I just, it was was definitely not for me. You know, first of all, I'm not funny in that way. But even if I was, I mean, like that sort of cutthroat, it's tough enough as it is. Well, and as a white woman, you're definitely at the bottom of the totem pole of um, people in, in, you know, men can get up there black or white and say whatever they want and be as vulgar as they want. You know, I went on once after Wanda Sykes and Wanda uh, Sykes obviously said whatever yeah. she wanted, Yeah, <laughs> but I got up there and I was taught, you know, you can be funny and not resort to being vulgar or, uh, so, yeah, it was a tough road. Not one I, I wanted to make a life choice. So what do you see in your future? Are you, just, are you for now just going to keep on this uh, path of auditioning while baking pies? That's the that's the, the idea the for auditions. Say that again. I'm sorry. You should take the pies to the auditions. So I I do bake for uh, offices that book me. I do that. Oh, nice. Uh, as a as a thank you, you know, because a lot of people send a a card or a you know whatever. Like it's it's customary to to thank those who find you work. You know, who mm-hmm. get you work. So I started doing the pies, and it is definitely a huge hit. You know, uh, so. I will keep doing that no matter what, as far as whether I'm going to keep baking and open up a shop and all of that stuff. I don't really know yet. Maybe it's not as stable as I would like it to be, especially with a child on the way. Right. Um, But it is working for now um, and it is flexible and I'm not answering to somebody that I don't want to answer to. And it is creative and, and, you know, it has a lot of, a lot of upside to it. So if it continues to grow, then yeah, I could see doing it for a long time. But for now, I'm just calling it a stopgap measure. And do you ever see a time where you would 
finally just say no more auditions, I'm done? I don't guess so. You know, I mean, it's it's a it's a common question, you know, no matter what stage you're you're at as as an actor, you know, people ask it all the time. And I have had that conversation with myself a few times and it does not go well. At this point, you know, this is who I am. I am I'm pot committed. I uh it's my skill set and my passion in life. You know, outside of Stephanie and this child that's coming, it's what I it's what I care about, you know. That's that's it for me. I love that. I love that. And what would you say to someone who's starting out in acting, a young buck off the bus in New York City at age 22? I would say, have you considered a career in accounting? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Forget mediocrity, though. The quote that started this show, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. You're right. Um, You know, probably sounds cliche because it is, you know, but the the thing that people keep the drum that people keep beating is persistence is the key. You know, you have to keep working at it, you know, and I I do that. I still go to acting studio. I still take classes. You know, you have to do your scales. You have to keep trying to improve because they also say if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And for those of us who can't be on set 200 days out of the year, you know, you have to keep your chops up. So for me, that's that's what it is. is you just keep working at it and keep trying to better yourself and, and improve. And, and uh, opportunities do come up. You, you do book things, you know, and, and so it might not be instantaneous for you or for anybody, but you have to keep working at it. So, And Andy, I mean, think about it. Would you do you look back on your life and have any regrets about this choice that you made? I don't I don't you know, I think. Well, no, only because it's what I am. Right. You know, it's it's the only thing that outside of being a starting pitcher for the New York Yankees, it's the only thing <laughs> I ever really wanted to be. Right. You're living uh, your truth, right? Yes. I mean, yes. If, you, that's if exactly you were right. sitting somewhere doing numbers, you wouldn't be yeah. happy. You would yeah. probably eat a lot of pies. Yeah. 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 And be very unhappy. And uh, you might live in Ohio or Wisconsin, yeah. or somewhere <laughs> yeah, in the middle true. of the country, more affordable. But, yeah. you know, would any of that matter if you weren't really living your truth? Yeah, I guess not. No. Right. Okay. So as I do in all my shows, I've come up with a game for you. All right. Wrap this up. And it is called Guess the Famous Pie Scene. I'm going no. to I'm going to describe a movie scene featuring pies because I wanted to bring both of your jobs together and I want okay. you to tell me the movie. Are you ready? I, I think I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. Virgin Jim takes his father's advice literally and mom American Pie. <laughs> That was easy. All right. Ready? <laughs> Fired maid Minnie gets back at her racist former boss, Hilly, by baking her a chocolate pie as a peace offering, then reveals it's poo filling once eaten. The help. Good job. Yeah. Food server bakes pies as an expression of her feelings. Pregnant, self-pitying loser pie, not pumpkin pie. I can't have no affair because I'm wrong and I don't want Earl to kill me pie, among many others. A pie baking contest is her hope for a better life away from her unfulfilling marriage and oppressive husband. Yep. Waitress. Good job. Yeah. All right. The Trilams sell pies with sorority photos on the bottom <laughs> during a charity fundraising event <laughs> in order to claim leadership of the Greek Council and save their fraternity. Yeah. Funniest rape movie ever. Revenge of the nerds. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding about being a funny rape movie. <laughs> okay. 
These are really easy. I'm sorry. Campfire story of a bullied kid who gets back at the local townspeople by plotting and starting a chain reaction of vomiting during a pie eating contest. Stand by me. It's so funny that I know all of these movies. (laughs) (laughs) And last but not least, and this would be the hardest one. I probably wouldn't get this one, but you might. A brawl erupts and spills over to the studio lot, ending in a hilarious pie fight scene in the studio commissary that is probably the funniest pie scene ever. Blazing Saddles. Nailed it. Are you Boom. in the film industry? How do you yeah. know? <laughs> I watch a lot of movies, I guess. You know? Yeah, there was another one. Oh, shit. It was a TV and it was this scene, the main actor wants to know and obsesses over why his date won't share her pie with him. Oh, I don't. It was an episode of Seinfeld. Oh, really? I'm so surprised. I don't know that. I'm I'm sure I've seen it, but. I should have thrown that one in there. Yeah, no, you would have got me. All right. Well, Andy, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, God, thank you so much. And it's so great to see you after all these years and catch up a little bit. And and, I know uh, it has been a long time, but as I said, we will be there next month. So we'll definitely, I will definitely get in contact about a pie for my birthday that I'm going to be celebrating for the next year. I absolutely love it. And uh, happy birthday in advance. And uh, yeah, just let me know uh, when you're going to be in town and we'll, we'll hook up. Well, and happy early pie day. Cause. Uh, oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have up. a bunch of orders coming some, up for that. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hope you've got some sort of PR going on around it. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's always, it's, you know, it's the internet, you know, is bad for an awful lot of things, but it's really great for selling baked goods. So. There you go. Okay. So on that note, why don't you share your social handles for anyone who might want to check out Andy, the actor or. Yeah. Pie? So I do, I do most of my pie business, uh, through, uh, at pie club LA, um, on Instagram. I stopped doing Facebook because it's too far ranging and, you know, too problematic for delivery. And then, uh, my, Regular person thing is at Andy the Real Hoff H O F F. Okay, all right. And, and you don't have a website or anything? No, uh, you know he I'm has an IMDb that. page. <laughs> I, I do. Yeah, you can look me up on IMDb and see what I'm up to and, and all that stuff. So, all right. Yeah. Well, this is the Jobs Blow Podcast. We're at jobsblowpodcast.com, at Jobs Blow Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for joining us. Please review and subscribe. I started singing bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye and singing, this will be the day that I die. This will be the day that I die. Not how